Hello, I'm Jeff Smith, and welcome to the Secrets of Success. Throughout my life, I've been fascinated by one single question, and it's how do successful people become successful? What is it that makes that big difference in our lives? Over the last 40 years, I've interviewed rich people, famous people, and many millionaires to find out their secrets to success and to share them here with you. Of course, success is not always measured in money. And in these programs, I'm looking at many different success stories from people in all walks of life. I want to find out what makes them tick, how they overcame adversity to keep on going. And I want to extract those magical nuggets of wisdom so that you too can implement the secrets of success into your own life. In this episode, I'm talking with Zina Doub. Zina works in the banking industry. She's also a personal development trainer and her vision is to inspire, coach and provide support as a writer, motivational speaker and a trainer. But of course, there's more. At the tender age of 18, she started her career in the leading bank of Lebanon. And over the next 20 years, she carved out a wonderful career and became a senior executive assistant. She's written a book, which is her own true story called When Autumn Blooms. It's the first book in which she shares the most intimate moments of her life. She tells a story of her amazing family, her husband, two wonderful children, and then suddenly, out of nowhere, disaster strikes. Her husband is dead, leaving her with two young children and the rest of her life to sort out. Zena used her talent as a writer to spread the word of the power of anchoring self with faith, love and strength to transcend any situation in life and turn it into a blossoming spring out of the agony of autumn. Her speciality is winning over our emotional loss. This is going to be an interview of understanding grief, finding yourself through emotional loss and coming out of the other side to reclaim the life you truly want and deserve. Let's bring in this amazing lady herself. Welcome to the show, Zina Daroub. Hey, Zina. Hello. Hello, Jeff. uh, You look absolutely amazing today. How are you? Thank you. I'm fine. Thank you. Good. Thank you for this beautiful introduction. Thank you so much. Well, beautiful indeed. I really got really emotional reading that. I mean, I have the privilege of knowing some of your story and I'm really, really looking forward to finding out all of this and how you came out of it to succeed. But before we get started with your incredible story and the death of your husband, Tariq, I first want to find out about you. So, three questions for you to get us started. Where were you born? What was life like for you as a child? And what were your dreams and aspirations as you were growing up? Oh, so let, let, let us start with something very beautiful. 
your first question, which is, where did I born? So I was born in the beautiful and charming and amazing city of Beirut. The one and only Beirut. So you cannot grow up in Beirut and not be successful or beautiful or charming. It's the, it's the beauty of the city that makes the best of you. And it also reveals the weak points of you as well. And that's the paradox of, of Beirut. Um, with, with its beauty and everything that happened in Beirut, I was born as the child of war. It wasn't a happy childhood, unfortunately. However, it gave me a lot of beautiful memories, even with the candles, even with our neighbors, even with everything, despite everything. We had a beautiful, we had a beautiful childhood, full of memories, despite everything. And I guess that uh, that was what uh, the, the first step that led me to later on to understand the real life. What was my, my dreams and my aspiration to life by then? I was, I was a little child, you know. Um, each child dreams of becoming um, someone greater. I used to love life since I was born because I was born on a New Year's Eve. So to me, it was the beginning. It is the beginning. So I remember that my parents were so happy that night because I was born on New Year. So New Year, it's the beginning. It's a new life. And I guess that's what gave me motivation. And, and then I started to dream all along of my beautiful life, of being successful, of having everything that I've ever wanted. Beautiful. You know, uh, I have quite a lot of friends who live in uh, Lebanon. And of course, you know some of them. I hope they're listening to this, yeah. guys. Yes, but I hope so. <laughs> I, I hope to be there one day. Um, but I, I've spoken many times to other colleagues and I say, would you like to do a masterclass in Beirut? And they go, what? Why on earth would you like, what, why go there? Yet your explanation and every other Lebanese friend I have talks so passionately about their country. So what is it, do you think, that unites the people of Beirut to want to love it so much with everything that's going on? Um, we, we have, we, we as Lebanese, we have one thing in common, the bond of love and the bond of life. We, we are fulfilled with life, with every breath of, of each of us. We breathe life. I guess this is what, what's mutual between us. And this, I guess this is what, what keeps us always together. Um, in Lebanon, it's very common and you know, because Everybody is a family. You know, you, you, you walk on the street, in the street of Beirut, and you say hello, you go to the beach, you go by the sea. So wherever you are, there's the bond of the family. And I guess this bond is what makes the Lebanese people so, uh, so nice people. And this is what makes us really strong. Because every time something happens in Lebanon and in Beirut, we rise up. Because we learn from Beirut. Beirut always rise up. And this is what we call by resilience. So we, we are resilient people, but resilient for life, resilient for hope, resilient for faith. I must come. I must get there, without doubt. Yeah, you, ha you have to come. I will. I, I promise I will. Within the next two years, I will. I have so many friends with so many invitations. I will be coming. So you, uh, you chose a career in banking. What drew you in that direction? Why banking? 
Well, um, by that time, um, by that time, because because of what happened in Lebanon, because of the war, because of what everything that happened to me, so my my childhood and my adolescence turned upside down, and I went through through the road, not the same road that each person goes. You know, when when you finish um, college, you when you finish um, school, you need to go to to college. So I didn't go to college because my parents by that time didn't have the financials to to do it. So I decided to do it by my own. So I, um, I went uh, into the world of business. I was 18 years old only. And I started my job in one of the leading banks in Lebanon. And from there, I, uh, one, I continued my university. So it was the, the upside down. And when I'm, when I'm in the, into the field, you know the business, I found myself. I found that um, I love what I'm doing. Um, I started my career straight with the, with the management, with the general manager of the, of the bank, and I was his assistant. And I continued my uh, my education there, uh, my education in banking and my higher education as well in banking. And this is how uh, how it happened. Okay, so you met this wonderful guy, Tariq. You get married. You have two yeah. wonderful children. Everything is wonderful. Until 2013, your husband Tarek was diagnosed with cancer and in six months he died. So take me through that part of your life if you're able to. Yeah, sure. Uh, though it's been uh, eight years now, however, each time I get to, to talk about it, I feel it's like just the first time I talk about it. What what makes the difference is that now when I talk about it, I talk about it with love, not with sorrow. So um, uh, yeah, I was in the in the bank, and um, I have this beautiful career. I'm working with with a mentor, with the, with the one of the leadership in the banking sector, and um, I have two beautiful children. Tad is an engineer, and um, we got married out of a beautiful love story. And, uh, you know, like, like each one of us, uh, we thought that uh, life is really beautiful. It is, actually. However, nothing will, will come across us. Nothing will happen to us. So uh, what happened, it happened between one night. So it took only one night. It took only um, one scanner to realize that I wake up in the second day and everything starting that day changed so what we call cancer by that time eight years back we couldn't agree even with it i did we did the denial with having it we thought that no 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 no. these things don't happen to us and not in our homes we hear a lot about them but this it doesn't happen in our houses and not to tar specifically not because he, he he is my partner and my life partner but because Tari is a wonderful and amazing person, he has a lot of traits, a lot of personality, a lot of charisma, um, a lot of empathy. Everybody loved him. So, and we were we were so happy together. So, I just thought by then, what happened? Why why does this have to happen to us, as a beautiful family, living everything, doing everything so well? And um, this was the beginning of, um, unfortunately. 
not a beautiful journey. So we went from, um, from traveling the world into traveling hospitals. And we went from living life into living death. It was six months of pain, six months of uh, sorrow, six months of uh, uh, hope and despair. It was the contradictory. It was the, 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 the feeling of black and white. Uh, one day we have hope, the other day we lose hope. We kept our hope till the last breath. We wanted him to be with us. We wanted him to, we 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 wanted him to, uh, to share our life together as he promised me. But not everything happens the way we we do it in life. Life doesn't always give us everything that we need. Mm. So you mentioned in the beginning you were essentially in denial. It doesn't happen to us. At, True. at what point did reality strike? And you think, oh my goodness, this is real. It is happening to us. What happened? Yeah, um, well, this, this, this reality hit me uh, back to the day when we went to the, um, to the doctor and, uh, and Tarek um, did the surgery and he passed successfully with his first operation and we thought that everything was just fine. And we're going to, to live our life back to normal. And we just did it and get over it. And then I was asking the doctor that, about the treatment, uh, how it's going to take long. So um, he looked at me like this and he said, um, six months. So I told him, you mean six months to be healed? And he looked at me like this and he said, no, six months to live. Wow. So... Yeah. Yeah. I was paralyzed. I was shocked. I didn't want to hear what, what he was talking about. What? Six months? What, what do you mean by six months? And, and he asked me, what are, what are the ages of your children? I told him eight and 10. And he just knocked his head. And he only, I still remember his word. He said, may God be with you. That's all that I can say. So um, I remember that I went out of the hospital. I went into my car alone and it was raining. And I remember that me and the rain, we were both crying. <laughs> I was weeping life by that time. Yeah. I knew that I was weeping life and I just said myself that by that time, my life is over. If that is not going to be in it, my life is over. What do I need to do right now? I, I was in a shock, I was in denial, but I had the truth in front of me saying to me, this is it. You just can't do anything about it. Okay, so Tarek unfortunately died within six months of his diagnosis. You were left with your two young children, Gadi, your son, who's eight, and your daughter, Leah, who's 10. I read something where you said this, and it really moved me. You said... The family crashed. The children went searching for their backbone, their ultimate support, their caring and loving father. But the sad truth is undeniable. The male figure of the house is not here anymore. They found nothing except for grief 
and emptiness. So I read that and I was deeply moved, as I am right now. So my question, yeah. how did you cope in that time with the children and what did you do? How did you help them and yourself? Yeah. Um, I knew nothing about grief. By that time, I knew nothing about grief. I just knew that there's a terrible loss happened inside the house and it wasn't an ordinary loss, it was a tragedy. I was confronting a huge tragedy with two children, not knowing what to do with them, not knowing what to do with their emotions, not knowing what to do with myself. I had everything by that time. I had my financials, I had my career, I had everything, but I lost myself. It's terrible to lose the self. And I am the only person left for these two children. So what do I have to do? I knew nothing about grief. I knew I didn't know how to how to be in sadness, how to sit with myself, what to say to my children. My, uh, Ready used to, to to wake up in the middle of the night and tell me, please take me to dad. I want to go to my father. I want to see to go to, uh, to see my father. So, uh, yes, it was painful. It was harsh. Um, we, we lived, we, we, we walked through the, the stages of grief or the phases of grief, what we call, but by that time, I didn't know what I didn't know about them. I didn't know what, what to do, what I did, uh, how to cope with my children. What I did is that I sit with them. I told them the truth. I cried with them. We did everything we needed to do what Tar used to do. So I took them to all the places we used to have with them. Uh, we took them to all the places, to the restaurants, to the events, to every occasion he used to, to be with us. Uh, inside the house, we, we cooked his favorite dish. We opened the, um, the memories. We looked at the photos. We watched the videos. It wasn't easy. Yes, it wasn't easy. I know. I know it wasn't easy. There were days and nights we were crying and we were in denial. And even the children, it passed one period that they couldn't talk, they couldn't express their emotions, uh, they, they refused to participate in, uh, at school. So um, I thought that the best way to do it is to act just like as if Tari is here with us at, at home. So I, I told myself, what if Tari was here at home? What, what was Tari wanted us to be? And I knew that he wanted us to be happy. Okay. So, I did everything that it wanted us to be happy. That's beautiful. Now, there, there is a beautiful side to this story because you've come out of the other side and sorted out your life and achieved multiple levels of success and achievement. So, and that, that's the purpose of today is to understand grief because there will be people listening now who have sure. maybe been through it or stuck in that grief or carrying it with them. And maybe it's preventing them from achieving something that they perhaps want to achieve in their life, but for some reason don't feel that they can get there. But you have. So let's begin that story now. So after all of this, you wrote a book. It's, it's in Arabic. 
yes. Yes, the English title is When Autumn Blooms. So you can explain how you come up with the title in a minute and what it means. Yeah. In a personal message to me, you said, my book is my rebirth, Jeff, and the resurrection of my life companion and the ultimate proof that we never lose the ones that we love. So <clears throat> you come out of this massive, massive event in your life. You have to move on. You decide to write a book. Why a book? Who is it for? And what happens in the process of going through it? Yeah. Actually, what, what, what happened that um, uh, my book was one of my, uh, one of my therapy, one of the, the phases of therapy that I went through is writing the book. So writing comes along with grief and journaling is one of the tools I use as a grief coach to cope with grief. What happened, how, how did it happen? Um, um, when I was a child, I used to, to write. So I write since I was um, 12 years old. I write everything about my life. Every single day I take my journal and I write everything about my life. So it, it became a habit and it became the only communication that I know when I want to be with myself. So when, when Tara died, I, I just went to, to, on Facebook and I wrote him. And everybody was, uh, was really impressed with what I wrote. And then my, my manager in the bank, he told me, why, why don't you write the book? And a lot of my friends also told me then, that, Zaina, you, you need to write the book. So I thought that I'm not a writer to write a book. I am a widow. <laughs> I am a widow. Yeah, and by that time, I was a desperate widow. A desperate widow don't know what to do with my emotions, don't know what to do with my fear, don't know what to do with my children. I have no time to write a book. And then I just went to my papers and I just started to talk with Tare, to speak with Tare. And I started writing, crying and writing, crying and writing. So were you writing to Tare? Moment Tarek? after moment. No. Yes, I wrote to Tare. This book is dedicated to Tare. Uh, this book is dedicated to each person passing through grief and loss and don't know how to overcome their emotional loss and going only, not only going only uh, beyond, beyond the emotional loss, only going beyond the grieving because what's beyond the grieving is much greater. Beyond grieving, there is a greater purpose of life. I learned throughout my book, I learned throughout, when, uh, throughout my book how to, to really blossom because when you asked me about the title, when, um, when, when autumn blooms, so what happened with this title is, is that I lived this autumn and I saw my, my, my tree um, my, um, falling down, my leaves falling down on, and I was really living the autumn. And I thought to myself that, no, this is not going to happen. No, this is not going to happen. I need to rise up. I need a new resurrection. I need to, re to be reborn. I need a new rebirth. I need spring. 
and from every autumn there is a spring and the spring is blooming and this is why the title came when autumn blooms oh it was a new resurrection yeah beautiful okay now yeah. what i want to i want to rewind slightly because you said yeah. you said something that i hear a lot and that is other people were saying to you zaina you need to write this book <clears throat> and you were thinking i'm a mom i'm a widow who am i to write a book i'm not worthy i'm not that person but you have and lots of people don't so how did you make this transition from who am i to write a book to becoming an author how did you do that yeah first of all courage it takes courage because when you want to write a book you need to express yourself out loud you need to be yourself and because i lost myself i wanted myself back and the only way to get myself back is to go inside of it inside my fear inside everything and to conquer my fear to confront my fears and to have the courage to say that i am enough i am enough and i know exactly what i do i am capable and there's no impossible i can do it i know that i can do it what it takes it takes persistence it takes a strong will it takes the vision of a beautiful future it takes faith it takes a belief system it takes love so what what was the catalyst from who am i to write a book i'm a widow to to you getting to think to yourself you know i am enough i'm going to do it what was the catalyst that took you to that stage um the child in me my old self i just went into zina the child and i spoke with her because when you are, when we are children we we have this innocence and this extreme power the resource inside of us we cannot get it only we can only get access to it by being a child again so i went back to being the little zaina and i know that the little zaina is very courageous and then i took off the clothes of widow and i took off the frame of being a widow i am not emptiness i am not void i am not confused i am not pity i am not helpless no i am a beautiful human being and i have all the resources that i've got what made the difference is the learning the learning of this journey the learning how we move on from agony and turn it into faith how to move on from sadness and turn it into joy and you need power you need you need to get back my power by that time i knew that i need to get back my power i knew that i have the right to live i have right to live not as a widow no i'm not a widow i am zaina and i stand here still to say it out loud that's wonderful i wanted to prove to myself that's wonderful i'm i'm going to rewind again because yeah i learned something from a very dear lebanese friend also a friend of yours and i was going through a tough time in my life 
And she said to me, Jeff, I wish you enough. And that, that, that was it. And I didn't understand. And it's a very, a, a few Lebanese people have said this to me since. And I sat down and I thought about what it meant. And, you know, every time I'm in a difficult situation now, or I have a friend in a difficult situation, that's all I say. I wish you enough. And I think, so true. I think this is beautiful for this part of this interview, really, because coming out of all of that, you found that you had enough. So for anyone listening, I hope you have enough. I wish you enough. That means so much when you're in a difficult situation to show gratitude for what you have, appreciate the lessons that you've learned, and then to do what you did, which is to reframe where you are today, not where you were perhaps six months ago or a year ago. You know, the past is for reference. It's not for residence. I don't, yeah, I mean, you're, you're a qualified grief counsellor now. So you've gone from a position of not understanding grief, going through it, found enough, pursued it to the nth degree to become a grief counsellor. So I don't think people truly understand grief as you didn't in the beginning. So from your point of view now as a qualified grief counsellor, this is what yes. you do, you help people. So can you summarise, what is grief and how do you help people to get through it? Yeah. What, what, uh, what, what we know about grief, what we think about grief, and what I thought about grief by then, by that time, is grief is illness. Well, grief is not illness. By its definition, grief is the social reaction to loss. It's only a social reaction to loss. A grief is like a roller coaster. It's a must have and be and do in the face of a loss. When we lose someone, we need to grieve the loss and we need to do the mourning. So a grief and loss comes together for us, for our benefit, to live this phase, to pass through all the phases of grief, each, of course, each person by its, its different, uh, from its different perception, it depends on, the, on its culture, on the environment, it depends on everything. But we don't know that, what we don't know that, we need to go throughout the grief. It is a must-do process to overcome any emotional loss in our life. And I'm not talking about the grief only of when we lose a person. I'm talking about other losses. Loss is not only defined by death. We can lose a friend, we can lose a pet, we can lose a job, we can lose a relationship, and we can lose ourselves. So whenever we are in an emotional loss, we need to grieve it. We need to, ha we need to have the sadness. We need to sit with ourselves and live it and live this experience to be able to overcome to overcome it 
And because I lived it, because I knew how hard it is, because it is a roller coaster of our emotions, our negative emotions. This is why we need a grief support. This is why when I thought by that time, I wish I knew someone who helped me with my grief. And because I lived it alone and I passed through it alone, I really wanted to help people. And this is what made me go through it. And not only because I experienced it, because I know when I see now results with people who overcome their grief and uh, and uh, see what's beyond their grieving, see the, the, the purpose of life, and I see them how they move forward, not only to move on with life, to move forward to a greater purpose, to achieve success, to have this learning, to have this wonderful journey of life. Because we didn't come to life only to, to have joy and to be happy or to eat or... No, no, no. We came to this life to grow. And we only get the growth by walking into the journey of life. And the journey of life, it has it's the darkness and it has it's the light. We have to go through both to be able to achieve our, our outcomes. Okay, so having said all of that, in your experience, what causes people to stall on their dreams or even give up on them and stop striving for success? What prevents people from doing that? Um, what, what prevents people is that they, they lose hope and they give up quickly. And this is, and here, here comes the resilience part. You have to be resilient. We have to be resilient. We have, we have to, to set our, um, uh, to set, to set back from our obstacles. We have to learn how to be flexible. We have to learn how to how to undo things, to unlearn things, and to relearn things. We have to have the will and the persistence and the grit that, yes, we need to move on. And when, uh, when, when life hits you, there's at, at certain point, you know, when, 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 when you move on on the mountain, to the top of the mountain, and all of a sudden you stop, and you still just need a little part to reach the mountain. So this is the difference between the people who keep moving and here's with the people who once we said, no, no, I'm going to get back. So this turning point, this turning point is very important. This turning point when we need our motivation, our passion, our love, our faith, that we, we, can, we, we don't have the luxury to give up in life. Wonderful. I love it. We can never give up in life. Life is too beautiful to give it up. Uh, for sure. So, Zena, what do you do to get inspired? Oh, <laughs> I love this question. Well, um, I, I, will, I will share with you a secret. Sure. How, how to get, yeah. <laughs> I close my eyes. I just close my eyes and I put a smile on my face and I dream of everything wonderful in life. And this is how my inspiration comes. I just dream of everything beautiful. Wonderful. Okay. Yeah. Here's a question that I ask everyone. I think now is the right time to yes. ask you. What's the most important thing you've ever learned? Oh, a lot of things. A lot of things. 
um a lot of things but i will i will um narrow it I, I all will, the way I, down yeah i will narrow it all the way down in in one in one saying uh, um, that i love a lot uh, for uh, sir winston churchill um uh, i love his saying when you're walking through hell keep going keep going absolutely wonderful yeah. Yeah, n n nothing. We 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 are not allowed to stop, no matter what. And this is what I did Wonderful. when I was in, in the in the middle of my my obstacle, in the middle of my tragedy. I just kept going because I knew that I will arrive. I'll I'll share a secret with you, Nazena. My next question: You're not going to believe this. Is Winston Churchill had a fabulous quote, which I love, which is. When you're going through hell, keep going. What do you do to keep going? How amazing is that? <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> okay, so I have a psychological question for you now. Yes. Uh, may or may not be related to grief. However, as as you do a lot of work in psychology with hypnosis and things like this with NLP, yes, it's it's in that area of success. So, I know a lot of people who achieve success. They reach their goals, they fulfil their dreams. But here's the thing: they're still not happy. So, from a psychological perspective, why does it happen? And what can we do about it? Yeah. Um, in in uh, in what we teach in NLP and all um, all the psychological thing that we hear and everything, we explain always. We begin we begin our sessions and we finish our sessions or our workshops or our seminars with one saying, and we say, "People have free will." So it is a choice. When people are not happy, it's because they choose not to be happy. So we have a free will to choose to achieve our dreams, to choose to be happy. And happiness is an inner state. And once we understand that happiness is an inner state, not something we look for, or someone we, we need to have to be happy, this is how we are fulfilled. We will never be fulfilled if we don't have the inner happiness inside of us. And how to have this? It is a choice. Everybody has the free will to choose what he wants in life. Beautiful. Well, I'm writing a new book. It's called 11 Steps of Success. And I'm going to share something with you now, which is why I asked that particular question. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. And... What I found with successful people, and I've heard it in this interview today, and I think it's not very clear to or obvious for people listening because you're a wonderful storyteller and people get so engrossed in your story and what you're saying is beautiful. But I, I want to explain a few things that you have done that maybe you've recognized it, maybe you haven't. Let's find out. But I know many people who say, 
Yeah, um, I've done all that. I look back at me 10 years ago and I see myself now and I think, wow, I've achieved so much. But I'm still not happy. Is this life? Do we just keep on going? Here's what I think. And this is what I've seen in successful people. When they set a goal, maybe 10 years ago, and they achieve that goal in, let's say, three years' time, during that time, they become a different person, as you have become. So at one point, you're a widow. Then, I'm not a widow. I'm Zen. I'm the young child. And it's this reframing. And what successful people do, and this is critical, is that when you set a goal and you achieve that goal, the tendency is just to set another one and want more. And you don't get happiness, which is this state that you're talking about. And what, success yeah, what successful people do, and what I do as a mentor with people who are struggling with this, is set a goal, and then when you achieve it, stop. Celebrate, celebrate your victory at that point You've achieved your goal. Fantastic. Now, how you celebrate is up to you. It could be one minute. It could be a month. It depends on you. But you must recognize that's it. That goal is now done. Then what you do is go about setting another goal. And then True. when you've achieved that, you celebrate it. And then you set another goal. Because, as you said earlier, we're here to grow. And we are always growing. And one of the sure. failures I see, we don't recognize that growth. And I was, listening, I was listening to what you were saying today, and I'm thinking, oh, there you go. There's a victory. You stopped. You celebrated. And then you moved on to the next one. So I just wanted to bring that one out. So that's wonderful. And thank you so much for that. So you're a certified grief coach. You help people... Yes through their toughest times in life. So if someone needs your help or wants to reach out to you to ask more questions that I haven't asked, how do, they, how do they contact you? Well, I have my, uh, my page on, uh, on LinkedIn. Uh, they can uh, contact me there on the message. And I have my social media pages on Instagram and on uh, Facebook as well. So they, they can reach me there. They can DM me and they can reach me. Okay. I'll, I'll put your LinkedIn yeah. address in the show notes yes. on the website as well so people can reach out to you and find you. Wow. <clears throat> what a journey it's been today. I mean, it's just incredible. Zaina, do can I add something? Sure. Add go something? ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't let me rush you. You, I, you go ahead. I just wanted to... Um, to, to read something from my book, uh, though it's in oh, Arabic, but I have geez. a I have a like like a draft in English, so I want to read something from it. If, um, yes, please yeah, go ahead. Yeah, something that that I love a lot. Yeah. Uh, so um, so I, I say in my book, uh, Tariq taught me with his death more than I have learned in my entire life. The thought of death might have terrified me, depleted me, and made me lose Tariq but it was also a true mentor to me, and I thank him. That's so wonderful. Thank you for that. Thank you so much. 
Zena Daru, I've really loved today. Thank you so much for being Thank on the you, show. Jeff. You have been truly, truly amazing. Well, wow, what a moving episode that was. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Success. I hope you enjoyed the show and helped to ignite your passion and be a catalyst for action and giving you the fuel you need to realize your dreams. If you've enjoyed the show, please hit the like button, leave a review and share it with a friend. It makes a huge difference because without your help, we can't succeed. So please go ahead, share this episode with a friend. It might make a big difference in their lives. On another note, I'm always searching for great success stories. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show or you'd like to nominate a guest, please contact me on the website at www.jeff-smith.com. You know, I really, really would love to hear from you. That's all from me. Thank you again for listening. Zina Darub, you are amazing. Have a wonderful day. Thank you.